Well, good morning once again. Listen, whether you're joining us online this morning or you're here in person, I just want to say thanks for being with us today. If you are joining us online for the first time this morning, let us know you're here. Um, drop your name there in the comment section. Say it's my first time here. We'd love to reach out to you and just say thanks for joining us. Next week, as I shared in our announcements, we'll begin a new series on the, the first and second Thessalonians on both books. And that'll start next Sunday because today in week number seven, we finally wrap up our series on the book of Jude. Now listen, throughout our series in Jude, we've talked primarily about how Jude was warning the church of false teachers and how he challenged us to contend for the faith. Last week, we walked through some ways that, that can help us to guard uh, to guard these true teachings of the apostles, the, the teachings that were centered on Jesus Christ. Jude, Jude said, others may fall for these false teachers, others may um, promote these false teachings, but you, what you need to do is you need to build yourself up in the most holy faith. You need to stand firm against these false teachings. And the only way to stand firm against false teachings is if we know what true teachings are. In order to know true teachings, what do you got to do? You got to go and spend some time in the Word because that's where true teachings are found. Listen, uh, John 8, 31 uh, says this. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live accordan in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. We talked last week about that word abide as well. We said abide was to make something your home, your dwelling place. So in other words, if we make our home in the word, if we set up camp there in the word, we are going to know the truth. And if you know the truth, you'll recognize false teachings for what they are, which are lies of the enemy. But again, this will only happen if you have made truth your home. Secondly, we, we said that we needed to pray in the Spirit, and, and, and in this meaning that we needed to pray God's will over our every area of our life. And sometimes the only way to do this is to pray in the Spirit, because sometimes our human mind and our human knowledge of the situation, in that we don't know what to pray. But we said that the Spirit always knows. We may not always know, but the Spirit knows. The Spirit always prays the will of God and never prays anything contrary to it. Finally, last week we said that we've got to look to Jesus. We've we, we got to keep our eyes fixed on Him. Keep our eyes fixed on the promise of His return. Everything else is simply just a distraction. And today we're going to look at verses uh, 22 through 25, close this out. But let's take a look at just those first two verses first. Verse number 22 says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Verse number 22 is, if you've read in 
many different translations, you're going to see that it reads a little different in each translation. And the, and the reason why is this is really a hard scripture to translate from the original Greek into English. So they're all going to vary just a little bit there. But I think the New King James Version here does a pretty good job. So when he says, on some have compassion, who is it that Jude is talking about here? Who is it that he's saying on ha some have compassion? Well, he's talking about those believers who had begun to doubt. The Amplified reads, those who waver and doubt. He's speaking about those who have fallen for some of these false teachings. And if we go back to last week, and, and we're reminded that, that Jude told us to look to the mercy of the Lord. You see, because God has shown each and every one of us incredible mercy. So we should do the same, shouldn't we? We must remember we were once blinded as well, weren't we? The, uh, the ESV says, have mercy on those who doubt. And while this book or this letter was written to the first century church, it's, as ju it's just as much to us today. And because of that, we should follow the same instruction. We should also have some compassion or mercy. It's our duty to extend mercy to others. That's our responsibility as believers. If you remember way back in week one, seven weeks ago, I guess it's actually six weeks ago, but all the way back in week number one, we read Jude 2, which says, mercy, peace, and love multiplied to you. We need to remember that. Mercy has been multiplied to us. And it wasn't so that we could have an abundance to hold on to. It was so that we could also show mercy to others. If you've had a, an abundance of mercy, if you've had mercy multiplied to you, shouldn't you also then show mercy to those who are struggling with doubt? Our job isn't to condemn those who are dealing with doubt. It's to point them to Jesus. It's to help them understand the truth of the gospel. Now, if you've looked at uh, Facebook recently, some of the posts of those who claim to be Christians, you'd never think they've ever experienced mercy in their life. Posts are, are filled with bitterness and hatred. No feeling of empathy or understanding for anyone with a different view than themselves. Now, I'm not talking about things that stand in opposition to the Word of God. I'm, I'm talking about those who have just a different view about anything. There's just like this hatred and bitterness towards others. But we're to show mercy, compassion, show mercy towards those who are doubting, to those who have begun to fall for some of these false teachings. False teachers will often cause people to doubt their faith. They'll, they'll cause people to doubt the teachings that they've been taught. That's why it's of utmost importance to know the truth of the Word of God. If you don't know the truth, when, when a false teacher with a great personality and a smooth-talking voice comes along, you're going to fall for his or her teachings. You may find yourself in, in that same category of doubt. Listen, this often happens when we're young in our faith. That's why it's so important for our young people not to just have a, a fun and an exciting time in youth, which is great, but it's also that they would experience the truth of the gospel. they got to be solidly grounded in truth. And as parents, 
we got to take the lead in making sure that our kids are building their lives on a solid foundation. If not, they'll be easily swayed. Listen, there are so many influences that come at our kids each and every day. If they are not solidly grounded, they may, they may, may begin to doubt the faith that you've been teaching them. But listen, if we find that our kids begin to doubt, we don't just write them off. We don't just say, okay, we're done with them. No, we show mercy towards them. We try and reason with them. We try and point them to the truth of the gospel. And we hope that others would come alongside of them and do the same. We would hope that others would extend them mercy as well. And the church as a body should do just that regardless of who it is that's doubting. we got to show mercy and be willing to answer questions. Unfortunately, sometimes when there are those that are within the body start to, to question or they have doubts, many times the body will just shut them down. They won't even allow for a question. When questions are raised by those who are doubting, you're not going to win them over with a, an answer of simply because the Bible says so. That won't work. You won't win them over by criticizing their question or acting in some superior manner towards them. The Amplified says to re refute so as to convict. But listen to me, that's not done by discounting their questions or their doubts. It's done by knowing the truth and pointing them to Jesus. I think many people shut down those questions because they themselves aren't grounded in Scripture. See, it's a lot easier to criticize or question or judge someone for asking than it is to get in the Word and answer, be able to answer the question. You ought to be able to explain why it is you believe the way you do. Criticism and judgment towards questions won't do anything but push people away. Today's young people will question what is being taught. So you need to be ready, as, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that it is in you with meekness and fear. With meekness and fear. That means not with a holier-than-thou attitude. That means not with a spirit of pride, but instead one that is filled with compassion, one that shows mercy, one that knows why it is you believe. Listen, there is such a need for apologetics today in this world that we live in, in the age of look everything up in Google in a, in a moment, in a second. There is a need to know why it is you believe what you believe. See, apologe apologetics isn't apologizing for the faith that you have. It's, it's to know why it is we have the faith that we do. To be able to reason, and as Peter says, to be ready and able to give a defense to everyone who asks. So here in the New Testament, we're being told, guess what? There are going to be people who question why it is you believe. They're not just going to follow blindly. You need to know, why do I believe what I believe? We must remember 
that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That means those who don't know him. That means those who are struggling with their faith and doubts. If we set up our home in him, if we make him our dwelling place, if we are truly looking to Jesus, should we not be able, should we not be willing to do the same thing as he did? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Shouldn't we be about seeking the lost as well? If lost people are of no concern to you, you got to ask yourself the question, do you even know Jesus? If we are abiding in him, we got to do what he did. He extended mercy to people. Verse 23 says this, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. See, if we know him, if we love him, if we are abiding in him, we will want to reach those who do not know him, to help those who are struggling with doubt, to snatch up those who are headed for hell's fire. What did Jesus do? He loved all people. Shouldn't we do the same? We got to extend mercy to those who are in doubt, but we also, we got to love all people. Today, in a world filled with division and hatred, there's opportunity for the church. In all of that, there has been a place that has been made for the church to shine. The word says, for God so loved the world. That means the entire world. We have an opportunity to show love to all people. And one of the ways we show love is in how we care for others. As a parent, when, you're, when your child was little and you saw them moving towards the stove, the on stove, the fire stove, or the red hot eye stove, whatever it is you have, what would you do? You didn't ignore them. You would run to them. You'd do whatever it is you could do to get their attention to stop them from getting any closer to that flame. Why? Because there was zero doubt that if they reached that flame and they put their hand in it, they would be burned. We didn't run to them, though, or yell at them because we had anger towards them. It's, it's not done out of hatred. It's done because we know the consequence. If they touch the burn or the burner, they will be burned. We moved intently towards them because we loved them. I'm here to tell you today, hell is just as real as any hot stove. The fire is much more intense, and the reality is without Jesus, that's where people will end. Shouldn't we show at least the same urgency in stopping someone who is on the pathway to hell as we do in stopping a toddler from burning their hand? Listen to how verse 23 is translated in the NLT. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. There's a real sense of urgency here in, in Jude's letter. To those who already know the Lord and have begun following after false teachings, remind them of the truth of hell. Do it quickly. 
Jude's saying, do so by snatching them. That's, a, that's an immediate thing. That's a grabbing up and a pulling back. See, there's still time right now. If you act right now. We got to remind people, people who know Jesus, people who were once followers, we got to remind them God's judgment is real. That if they reject his love, if that if they deny the son, Jesus, they are headed for an eternal separation. They are headed straight to hell. Jude's saying here. It's urgent that we step in the way, that we stand in between them and the pathway that they're on. But he's also saying, and when you do that, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. He says, do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. In other words, you got to guard yourself when you're reaching out. Otherwise, you may find yourself giving in to false teachings. You may find yourself giving in to the, to the sin that stains the garment. We've got to deal with some gently. We've got we to deal with some quickly as to snatch them from the fire. But when we do all of those, we've got to be careful to stand firmly on the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. Listen, I'm here to remind you this morning, Christ's return is drawing near. Matthew 24 says this. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And Luke 21 says, And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines, and pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. I'm here to tell you this morning, the signs are all around. Look at some of these headlines just from this week. Iran condemns the UAE deal with Israel, saying it's a huge mistake. Rumors of war. San Andreas Fault earthquake swarm. Tons of earthquakes along the San Andreas Fault. This last week sparked fear of the big one. Tropical storm Kyle. Earliest 11th named storm on record. California blackout. Two million people without electricity because of the heat wave. How about this one? What? This is a this is a real headline from this week. Not from some fake place or anything. Pentagon launches task force to investigate unidentified aerial phenomena. Defense Department aims to detect, analyze, and catalog UFOs that could pose a threat to national security. UFOs! I'm not telling you you're supposed to believe in aliens here. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though... When you read that, could this not be the leading edge of the explanation when billions are automatically gone from this earth in the twinkling of an eye? Could the, could the Antichrist not already be setting the stage? Because when all of a sudden, in the twinkling of an eye, when the church is raptured, when it's caught up in the air and we're all gone, the explanations are already being set they're already being put in place. I'm here to tell you, the return is near. He will come quickly like a thief in the night. The time of his return is approaching. 
we must not only be ready, but we need to make sure others are ready too. And the only way is to extend mercy, to love others, to point them to the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. Finally, verses 24 and 25 say this. Now to him who is able... Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. I love the way Jude ends this letter. He's ultimately saying it's God who keeps us. It's God who keeps us. If my salvation was dependent upon my ability to keep it, the only assurance I would have would be that of failure. Because I can tell you, as people, we fail over and over again. I have failed time and time again throughout my life. But it says, now to him who is able. In case you didn't know it, that him is not you. That him is God himself. Jude ends his short letter by saying our security is in God. Our security is in Jesus. It's in God's ability to not only keep us, but to present us, a wretched person, blameless before him. Spotless. In verse 21, Jude told us to keep in the love of God. In other words, it's our duty, it's our job to draw near to him, to stay close to him, to stay close to Jesus. But listen, it's only God himself that can keep us from stumbling. You need to understand, church, it's the Lord who will keep you. The word of God says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Who is it that draws near to us? The one who is able. The one who won't ever leave you or forsake you. The one that will present you without spot, without blemish. The one who will bring you into the presence of his glory. The one that will bring you unto him in the fullness of joy. Romans 8, 38 says this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate you from the love of the one that is able to keep you. And that's why Jude ends his letter with praise, where he says, to God our Savior, Who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power. Both now and forever. Sometimes we may think we're smart. But God alone is wise. He alone knows the beginning from the end. He alone is the alpha and the omega. He alone is able. And Judah is saying, praise him. For his glory and majesty. He's saying praise him. For his dominion and power. He's saying the Lord reigns supreme. 
I love how Paul quotes in, in Acts, how he quotes Isaiah when he's speaking of God. And he says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Come on, church. The, the, the world, it may look chaotic. It may look a mess. But God has not forgotten his people. God has not relinquished his throne. The enemy will attack. But it's the Lord who fights your battle. Disease may come against you, but it's the Lord who brings healing. The unemployment rate may be high, but it's the Lord who provides. The storms may be raging, but it's the Lord who brings peace. The world may, may look appealing to you, but it's the Lord who truly satisfies. Temptation may be pulling, but the Lord offers a way of escape. The enemy will bring death but the Lord will bring life. The enemy speaks lies, but the Lord is truth. The enemy reminds you of your past, but the Lord says you have a hope and a future. The enemy brings chains, but the Lord brings freedom. Right now, the enemy may be pressing in on all sides, but in Christ Jesus, you will not be crushed. You might be locked up this morning in depression, anxiety, and the, wor the worries of the world. But I'm here to tell you there's one who went down into the grave. And he brought back the keys. And in him, you can have freedom today. The Lord is the one who is able. He hung the, sky, the stars in the sky. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He calls you by name. He has a hope and a future for you, and that hope and future is in him. He will not fail you. He will not leave you. His hope is eternal. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he is in control. So today I want to remind you of what you're supposed to do. Trust in him. Stand firm on the truth. Stay in his love. Rest in this fact. God is the one who is able. He is able to do what he has promised. And that is to bring you into his presence. Not with all the baggage of your past. Not covered in guilt and shame. But blameless. Spotless. Covered by the blood of Jesus. And full of joy. Amen. The Lord has done a great thing. The Lord continues to do a great thing. And the Lord will do a great thing. He's not done. Can we take a moment to give him thanks? Can we thank him for what he has done? Right where you're at, just give him thanks right now for what he's done in your life.